2020 onwards, as uh, Mache will do the um, uh, the the uh, turbo prop section later. So I don't really want to cross that. I think that that's um, the first step. Secondly, I will then dive a little bit into the benchmark of the uh, uh, certain segments like the 321s, the 757, and the uh, 738, and we'll we'll compare a little bit the attractiveness and also a little bit elaborate items that are important uh, to, to be considered uh, for freighter conversions. And that's basically, I think, uh, wh where this, where this will, uh, what's achievable in, in this uh, short, short time. So let me start with an overview of what is available now. The uh, hottest item, in my opinion, is, is that uh, IAI, uh, also known as BEDAC in Israel, have, have um, announced and, and uh, launched the customer for the 777-300 ERF rater. Um, I think that is a really uh, attractive, attractive option, given that the converted rater will, will offer uh, almost six more pallets to the markets on the main deck and eight more lower deck compartments uh, to the, to the, uh, on the lower deck. Also, the 777-300ER is basically, according to BEDEC, able to accommodate a payload of almost 100 tons. I think it's, 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 it's an option. We will see some 777-300s, vintages, 2000 um, coming quite significantly to the market. So, Fitstock is also pretty much a short. I know Boeing has been and is working uh, on a, a similar option for the 200 and the 300 uh, extended range uh, conversion. But until this date, I don't believe that Boeing has a, a made a firm announcement that they would process on this, but they're evaluating it. Secondly, on the white bodies, uh, still not to forget that um, II is still able to perform the 747-400 uh, conversions. They, they have kits available. They're basically also able to do it. Uh, in the last years, this aircraft has lost attractiveness. People were more uh, inclined to, to, to uh, at least the, the majority of the operators, were basically consider that aircraft as, as uh, uh, more or less like an, an obsolete um, aircraft and, and we're heading more to the, the 777s uh, or the 747-8. But nevertheless, the option is there. I don't really know if, if it will uh, bounce back. Uh, if you ask II, they're, they're very keen on developing this, but I think it, it may be a challenge. Uh, coming down to the 767-300s, um, obviously market leaders to Boeing and IAI. Um, IAI converts, uh, they call it basically BDSF and, and Boeing calls it BCF. That's why <coughs> I'm neutral on my presentation with just giving you an, an, an um, uh, the, the F version, and um, basically the facilities, uh, Boeing, Boeing has some facilities uh, also in, in, in Taiwan, Boeing has some facilities in China to, 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 to work on the, uh, uh, to convert the 767th II, has facilities in Tel Aviv and in Mexico that are mainly occupied with this. Both, as you can imagine, are, are pretty much taken uh, these days. On the 757, we still have the 200. It's still being, being an active conversion by SC Aerospace in Singapore, as well as Precision. Both are basically still clearing up the backlog of, of the, uh, the 757s. Uh, I guess we, we all know a little bit what is, what is triggering that uh, difficulty here is basically, at least pre-COVID times, uh, the feedstock of the engines and, and, and thereby also the feedstock of, of, of the aircraft as such. That has been basically always been, been uh, a bit of a challenge. Now we, we also see in the market that, that a lot of a lot of aircrafts are basically now put in put in uh, to the market, and it could very well be that the the uh, the demand will grow. There are still a large number, in my opinion, there are 74 suitable aircrafts out there in the market that that would still be uh, could still be considered as as candidates for the 757s, but it's limited to those two uh, design houses. A uh, very, very active segment is the 737, 700 and 800. Uh, market leader clearly is Boeing that have until now uh, converted some 35 uh, freighters um, and, and basically in full swing to, to develop this. Uh, we all know that now the availability 
after uh, COVID of the 800 is, is clearing up and, and uh, that has not been really the case before the, the crisis. So basically as we'll, we'll all see a little bit of a swing in this. AI is also well on its way with, with conversion facilities in, in, in Canada and Miami and also in China and in China. Pemco is very much limited to the 700s. They have not designed a uh, STC for the 800s. They're in process, they claim, but it's, it's taking time for them. But what they've did on the 700, I think it's pretty innovative. They, they build a, com a flex combi, they call it, which is a multi-task uh, conversion and uh, full freight conversion of the 700. Same goes for II. II have uh, been the launch uh, conversion with uh, Alaska Airlines Aircraft 700 in 2017. And basically, uh, they now also obtained the STC and, and got a pretty impressive launch customer with DHL. So much for the Boeing side. Uh, on the conversion products uh, on the A330s, uh, or on the Airbus products, you will see the A330s is basically solely converted by EFW uh, in cooperation with SD Aerospace in Singapore. Most aircrafts are being converted in Dresden and in Singapore so far. Uh, options are that they would expand into conversion sites in Guangzhou and eventually uh, in, in, in the US as well. Uh, particular aircrafts, uh, I see Patrick Leopold is also on the, on the call. Uh, so uh, the 321 um, prototype is being developed um, with uh, EFW and Precision at this uh, time. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the first aircraft would, uh, EFW obtained its, its uh, STC and the delivery of the aircraft is expected, according to my information, at least somewhere around uh, July, August to, to Qantas, who would be the launch operator for this aircraft type. Pre 321 Precision, which is a GV between ATSG and Precision Air so Aircraft Services, are basically following up. Uh, there's been a little bit of a rat race there. And we see that Precision claims, or at least expects the STC to be uh, available in Q3, Q4, 2020. And um, according to my information, they also have, uh, obviously it's Valer who has uh, been the launch, the launch customer also for Precision. And uh, unconfirmed, but it looks like the first aircraft will be operated by, the launch operator would be SmartLinks of Lithuania. Other parties that have claimed and, 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 and announced that they would um, work, that they are working on the 321s is San Draco in China and uh, C3 or C-Cube Aero also from, from San Diego. Uh, so far they've been keeping their, their development uh, relatively low um, profile. They, they have uh, at least not, not come back publicly with, with uh, any firm announcements. So it's a little bit pending on, on, on whether or not the, uh, they, will, they will achieve, first of all, to obtain the STC, secondly, uh, at, what, at what date. Last aircraft that I would like to address here would be the 320-200. It was originally launched by uh, EFW uh, AFC at, uh, Airbus Freighter Conversions in 2010. It was then abandoned in 2011. Um, and been taken up now in the new program as basically a complementary product to the 321. Um, as far as I understand, there's no uh, start of the program yet. There's no prototype being in, the, in development. Um, nevertheless, EFW has signed the letter of intent to the Chinese uh, holding that has committed for 10 aircrafts. We'll address that a bit later. Same here is that C3 um, or C cube. Um, is basically working on a prototype of the uh, 320 conversion. Um, also here, a little bit, little bit low profile to, the, to, to, to publications. We understand that the aircraft is, is, is being uh, worked upon right now and the expected STC would be late this year or the beginning of next year. Same goes for San Draco, where we, where we basically also don't really uh, at least publicly, know their, their status. Uh, they claim to be working on the STC, but I, I personally have not really followed up uh, on their status. So let's narrow this down a little bit to, to, to see what, what, does the, um, what does the different uh, aircraft uh, types 
um, benchmark it, it, it would obviously the 767s and the, and the 777s and the 747s are pretty much known. The ones where we can narrow this down a little bit would be to benchmark um, the 757s, the 321s and the 737 uh, against each other. And, and I think this chart shows a little bit the categories. Obviously, it's very much um, the, the 321, which is a new product to the market, is, is basically often, and in my opinion, a bit too much compared to the 737-800. Uh, it's, it's clearly a successor for the 757 and, and not so much a successor of or a competitor to the 737. And you will see in the next slides that it's basically very much dependent on where your market lies, uh, where these, which each of these aircrafts come best to their utilization. Here a slide on what we believe um, and, and what we, what we uh, investigated a bit, how we see the aircraft values uh, after conversion and yet before uh, the definition of new values after the COVID uh, crisis, which, which uh, so far are not really uh, overseeable. And uh, all of us as well, we've joined a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, WebEx confidences where, where all, all sorts of, of uh, entities are doing their best to evaluate values now. But I think if we haven't seen the bottom of this and, and we believe there will be um, probably more capacity coming to the market, putting pressure on the prices, which will then again impact on the uh, on-ramp values after conversion. You another slide on, on, on the benchmark with regards to fuel burn. Obviously, uh, the elder vintages of 757 are, are pretty thirsty aircraft. This is where the 321 stands out, in my opinion. And uh, with the lesser capacity, the 737-800 uh, is, of course, more, more fuel efficient. In terms of maintenance costs per hours, we also see that the, the, the 321 sticks out. Uh, with, with a good capacity and still reasonable maintenance cost per block hour. And the, uh, the same similar goes for the um, annual direct operating costs. We'll see a little bit what we did is here, a, a sort of a benchmark of where the aircraft lies. And the question is, of course, that the 737 achieves the lowest trip costs, but it also carries basically less cargo. So it's basically a question of where do you use that aircraft and in which segment this is being best explored. Uh, I think it's 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 uh, clearly shows that the 321 comes very close to to a very eligible successor of the 757, and that the 737-800 is is not really should not really be used as a benchmark against this aircraft because you're basically entering into a different uh, a different capacity. Here is a picture of the difference. There is the precision and EFW. So you will see clearly what are the, the main difference between the two, the two conversion designs. And I'd like to draw your attention to two main topics, which is the cockpit and the, uh, the, the 14th pallets on, on, on each of the two aircrafts. You will see that the rigid wall on the EFW aircraft has been moved forward, basically removing uh, quite some space in the cockpit. It also requires a, a separate uh, entry door for the crews. You'll see a, an impressive picture on that. Um, but this will accommodate that they can load 14 full-size AAA uh, containers, uh, a uniform load combination with the uh, usual lower deck either in bulk or in containerized version. Precision had a different design. They kept the original cockpit uh, intact. And the compromise uh, for, for being able to do that is that the 14th position is not a full position. It will either be a netted or two LD, uh, LD3 containers would, would, uh, could be fitted on position 14. Other than that, basically, there is no, there is no, uh, no difference between those two engine variants for the moment are still, still able to, to, to accommodate conversions, both parties could com accommodate conversions for the CFM-powered aircraft as well as for the V-powered aircraft. So this basically does not really show uh, any differences. I think the first aircraft in, in um, ST Aerospace is a, is a V-powered aircraft and the first aircraft in position facility is a CFM-powered aircraft. But that's basically insig insignificant. I think both, both conversion designs would allow both engine types uh, to be applied. Here's the uh, picture that I, that I uh, just to give you an impression, uh, the additional cargo door 
uh, sorry, the additional uh, the cockpit door position has made up a mock-up in in uh, according to them the constraints and and uh, the compromises on on the uh, cabin layout versus the additional advantages in the in the in the cockpit. You will also know that some operators will have priority given to uh, positioning crews and, 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 and to a certain comfort in the cockpit. And others may simply compromise and say, look, we, we want 14 full-size pallets uh, or containers because this is what our network requires. And thereby, uh, they're happy to compromise on the cockpit. So in my opinion, I do not want to basically make a judgment on what would be preference uh, what would be my preferential position, it's basically up to the operator to decide what they would prefer. Uh, here's a nice picture on, on, on how the, the aircraft will look like. So you've got 14 full-fledged positions on the EFW, on the EFW aircraft to your uh, left on the screen. And on the, the two aircrafts to the right are basically uh, the uh, precision, precision layout with either two LD3s in the, in the 14th position or a netted pallet. So to summarize, basically uh, a little of a repeat what I did before is, is um, the 757, SC Aerospace and Precisions are basically still active. We see, we see issues that um, the feedstock may be run out. Now we are in a different scenario. Now I think we have a sort of a revival uh, of the 757s as, as more aircrafts and possibly more engines will come to the market. And this, this could take an, an, a new upswing, but basically the developments were made that this aircraft wasn't going to last uh, very long as, as a feedstock provider and would be basically be replaced by the, seven, by the 321. Uh, that would be it. On the 737-700, uh, my opinion, pre-COVID times, it, it, it indicated actually to be quite successful. Uh, as, as feedstock prices on the 800 were basically going through the, through the roof and it would have been more attractive to basically feed your network with 700s and eventually use one or two aircrafts more in the network at a lower overall cost that has been considered by some of the bigger integrators. Uh, I think now the recent developments changed that fundamentally. So, so basically we're back uh, on, the, on, the, on what I call the blockbuster, which is the 737-800. Um, which was launched in 2018 by West Atlantic and Boeing has, has succeeded uh, very successful to, to achieve 35 uh, aircraft. Alan, you can confirm this later. Maybe I'm a little bit wrong here, but this is at least my, 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 my assessment. A, um, aeronautical engineering and uh, II are also have developed SDCs, have developed um, a market for that. I believe we will see those three aircraft conversions uh, doing equally well. Um, maybe a slight advantage for the OEM-powered uh, or, or OEM-supported version, but in general, I think these these three these three parties will will dominate that market, just like it did on the on the classics. We we saw on the classic we saw uh, quite a split between Pemco and AEI, and I believe we will see the same on the on the 800. 321, much has been said, um, a little bit of a repeat now that the SEC has been delivered uh, in March 2020 to EFW and the first aircraft is expected to be delivered to the operator now in July. It's still a little bit early to, 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 um, to assess whether these aircraft will, will, will really see a success. You know, it's not been in operation, there's no track record, there's no proven success in operations, there's always a bit of a question. Next issues that could come up is basically uh, availabilities of conversion sites and eventually uh, bottlenecks in, 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 in kits and bottlenecks in supply chain uh, may, may become an issue. And basically, I think this aircraft will come uh, more massively to the market in, as from 2022 onwards. I think it will, still, it will still drag a little bit until we will see a larger number of these aircraft being flown. Uh, last aircraft is the 320, 200. Um, as I mentioned, it was originally started in 2010, then basically been relaunched um, by EFW again. And uh, I'm not so sure whether or not this aircraft will, uh, will succeed. The latest situation also and the success of the 800s uh, in terms of, of, of uh, proven records, in, in terms of, of uh, uniform capacity in many airline fleets. I think that uh, the 320 will, will see 
a role as a complementary aircraft to those operators that are already operating the 321 in cargo or in their fleet. And that's a little bit where I would see that. Maybe over, over, over the years uh, that, that may change. But uh, as we see the current situation and also with regards to the availability of the aircrafts, I, I would guess that the 800 will, will dominate that segment as well and, and basically put uh, the 320 in, 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 a, in a less attractive position. That would be it in my side. I, I hope I'm still within the, the time frame. The agenda said that uh, I would elaborate on, on the financing options. Here are my contact details. I'm very happy to discuss with those who have an interest in uh, any of these aircraft. I may advise them. I may also basically uh, introduce them to the details of this. That would be Mr. it. That was, that was excellent. Really good overview. Uh, we have some questions which I'll, I'll hold off till the end. I'd like to get Alan Gagan uh, on, on board now if you could. Yeah, you've stopped share there. Alan, you ready to go? Yes, Alan, I am just going to try share my screen first. All right, um, go ahead. Um, I'd like to welcome Alan Gagan from Boeing on board. It's great to have one of the OEMs on, on here that, that are doing uh, um, P2F conversions. And um, hand over to Alan now if he's ready to go. I think uh, if you... We have the, yeah, the full screen there now, so I think uh, all good. Okay, thank you, Alan. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Um, wherever you're tuning in from, um, I'm very happy to present today on Boeing Freighter Conversions. Uh, my name is Alan Gagan. I'm the Regional Director for Global Leasing with Boeing. I'm based in our Dublin office, uh, our new leasing support and services centre, which is based in Grand Canal. I'm going to present today just on the, a brief presentation on our freighter conversion programs. Um, first of all, just to uh, a current market outlook. Obviously, COVID-19 has had a, a huge impact to our industry with significant loss in passenger traffic and uh, revenue, which has also impacted a major reduction in cargo capacity. Uh, we, we, we can't see that medical supplies, pharmaceuticals and e-commerce are currently the main drivers for cargo demand at the moment. However, the, the market will recover. Uh, we expect passenger traffic to improve the second half of this year with air cargo improving sometime in Q4 this year. Um, with air cargo demand, we expect it to rebound in 2021 with, uh, with, the, with the resurgence of world trade and the, 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 the increase in industrial production worldwide. However, our, our, our long-term long fundamentals of the market remain. Uh, aviation and air cargo are crucial to the world economy. And the uh, world air cargo market is very resilient. So, you know, we, we, um, our forecasts show that the cargo market will need an additional 2,820 freighters over the next 20 years to meet market demand. And you can see that in this slide we have uh, we've detailed out where or what type of freighters and how many of each type we expect will be will be uh, in demand over the next 20 years so in 2018 there was a uh, 1970 freighters in the world market and we expect by 2038 that will increase to 3400 and that's broken up into into four areas the large production freighters such as the 777 and the 747 freighter we expect we need an additional 540 of those. Wide body conversions, which the Boeing 767 BCF falls into that category, uh, along with the A330, etc. We expect we need another 560 of those in the next 20 years. And then the medium body production aircraft, such as the 767 production, another 500 of those. But by far the biggest area we see is the standard body conversions, which is the 737 conversions and the A320, A321, etc. We expect, we expect 1,220 additional freighters required for the world market over the next 20 years in that area. Um, just want to emphasize Boeing's family of freighters. So we have a, a complete family of freighters made up of our production freighters, which is the 747, the 777, and the 67. And they're complemented with our freighter conversion programs, which is the 767 BCF and the 737 BCF. So I'm just going to go into a, a brief detail on both the 737 and the 767 BCF. 
So we'll start off with some, some information on the program for the 737. So far, we've had 130 orders and commitments from 10 customers on the 737 BCF. Um, uh, Peter, you, you, you were being very kind to us, I think 35. In fact, as of yesterday, we have 30 firmed in our 3737 BCS delivered as of the 27th of May. Um, we have three locations where we carry out our conversions. We have a line in Jinan in Staco, uh, Boeing Shanghai, which is BSAS, and in Guangzhou at Gamaco are the three locations. And out of those three locations, we have the total of currently six lines. So I think we, or sorry, we have three in Staco, two in BSAS, and one in Gamaco. Um, because of the robust demand for this, for this, uh, for the BCF, we're currently also evaluating additional conversion capacity as well. Um, we have, so far we've completed five certifications for the 737 BCF from FAA, EASA, CAAC, FATA, and DGCA. And as, a, as I mentioned, the strong customer demand for the 737 continues. Um, our, our, our program slots are pretty much sold out until 2022 at the moment. That's one of the reasons why we're evaluating additional, additional capacity. Um, some, some, some detail, and I don't show the same information Peter showed, but just the 737 BCF has 12 positions on the main cargo, cargo deck. Um, 11 of them are the, are the, uh, the 88 by 128 size pallet capacity, that's the AAA pallet capacity. And then the position 12 is a smaller LD3 uh, half pallet size. Um, for operating costs, if we take the 737-300 trader as a, as a baseline, the 737-BCF can offer 19% lower operating costs per metric payload than the, than the 737-300. And some advantages that the 737-800 has over our competition is that obviously the market prefers the OEM delivered solution. So far we've had 30 deliveries of that, and I believe our competitors so far have had three. Um, with, but with the BCF, there's no annual uh, technical support access fee required from Boeing. Or if a freighter is converted with, uh, with, with a competitor, there's a $67,000 annual technical support fee required for that. Um, our main cargo door is 141 inches wide, which is four inches wider than our competitor's door. And it's also positioned slightly further away from the engines, which uh, helps prevent the potential damage when loading. Um, our capacity is 10,000 pounds, which is 2,000 pounds higher than, the, than our competitor's capacity. And uh, with the Boeing solution, you can get, it's possible to get the integrated, man, the manual is integrated with the, with the BCF. And that's not possible if it's converted with, with, with a competitor. And the BCF also accommodates the Teller lower hold cargo containers, which is the Teller is like the, the moving carpet loading system on the, in the lower cargo. And with the BCF also, there's no stanchions required in the lower hold to hold up the main deck or the main deck floor, which, uh, which, in, which increases the capacity of the lower hold. So talk just briefly about the 767 converted freighter now. So far, we've had 51 orders and commitments for the 767 BCF and 40 re-deliveries completed. We have nine customers for it, a mix of, of again, same as the 737, a mix of lessors and, and airlines. Um, the main deck capacity is double that of the 737 BCF with 24 um, 88 by 128 size pallet positions. And then in the lower hold, you can hold an additional four AAA pallets plus 14 uh, smaller LD2 pallets in the lower hold. And taking the A33200 passenger freighter conversion as the baseline, the 767 BCF can offer a 12% uh, lower relative trip cost. And the final slide here is just to uh, talk a little bit about the programs for the 737 and the 767. So um, for both programs, once contracts have been accepted, we will tie in and confirm the delivery or the induction and re-delivery dates. And then a minimum of six months 
before induction for, for each program, we require the, the MSNs to be confirmed for the aircraft. The reason for this is that we need, we need a minimum of six months to carry out the engineering, the pre-engineering work before the modification happens. That includes such things as records reviews, configuration selection, repair analysis, service bulletin development, and building of the kits. Now, the modification for the 737 takes 90 days. Um, and during that modification, service buildings can be installed by the customer, and also aircraft maintenance can be performed during that modification as well. The 767, however, is a little bit longer. It takes 105 days for the modification. And again, maintenance can be performed during the modification for that. Um, with a 10-minute time limit, it was difficult to give all the information on the BCS. However, if anybody is interested in further in a full presentation or full details about these BCS, please reach out to me at any time. I'm happy to set up meetings um, with anyone to talk through it. Um, well, thank you very much, Alan. I'll hand it back to you. And I guess we're doing Q&A at the end. Is that right? Yes, indeed. That's great, Alan. Thank you very much. A very good uh, summary. Sorry for the time limitation, but I think it's just good to get the uh, the, the basic info and as you said if anybody wants to follow up uh, you'll get the contact details later so thanks for that again we'll hold off the uh, questions until the end I'd like to introduce Magic if you're still there um, interesting to get a, an, an overview and an update on the regional jet conversion options now so Magic is from Contact Air Technique uh, Magic now pardon me if I get the pronunciation wrong it's Magic Jarosh Roshik so, uh, Magic, if you're ready to go and share the screens, it'd be great. Hey, hello. Uh, yes, you're you're very good. Uh, uh, your your polish is improving by the minute. <laughs> uh, the um, uh, uh, hello, gentlemen. Uh, yes, I uh, I I run um, uh, an MRO in Germany um, in uh, contact air uh, technique, uh, specialising in uh, conversions and aircraft in transition and. I'd like to uh, tell you a little bit more about perhaps a, a different uh, different uh, view on uh, the topic of the P2S uh, in the turboprop market, in the regional aircraft market. So you're ready to share the screen, yeah, yeah? Let me share the screen first. So if you just do yeah. good? perfect, yes, perfect. Go ahead. Right. All right. So um, just um, um, a few words of introduction. Um, the um, since um, I'd like to attract your attention to perhaps a different uh, aspect of uh, of the uh, conversion, uh, a little bit from the perspective of the implementation challenge, from the MRO perspective, um, the, um, and uh, the, uh, on, the, on the basis um, of the contact air. Contact air has been a regional, regional uh, um, MRO um, focused on the regional aircraft uh, with lots of history, originally um, part of uh, a Lufthansa group, Lufthansa Regional. Um, and, and through the process of, um, of uh, let's say, market changes, it, be, it became a standalone um, third-party MRO uh, some time ago, uh, not long from now, um, uh, about uh, in 2013, uh, searching for its own place on the market. Huh? Since uh, the uh, one of the problems of the uh, let's say technical side of the aviation is the increasing cost of uh, labor, and um, let's say inability of, uh, of competing with the cost of labor uh, as such. Uh, with, uh, let's say, uh, some other parts of the world yeah? where, where the MROs have become more proficient and uh, can offer uh, a much uh, better, uh, let's say, um, rate, man hour rate. Uh, hence, uh, uh, the, uh, let's say, the need for, um, for a differentiation yeah? and perhaps finding, uh, establishing a new selling point. Uh, this MRO has. Uh, through the process of change, as on, uh, uh, let's say, developing um, 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 support, comprehensive support for um, uh, aircraft in transition, uh, working basically with uh, with aircraft owners, 
uh, as much as um, um, airlines or operators. Um, and in this context, um, um, it has focused on, on its, uh, let's say, specialty, on its types, which is uh, basically ATRs, Fokkers, and, uh, and Dash 8 Pivo 100s. In this uh, particular uh, regional, or let's say regional segment, um, there are a number of challenges um, um, that uh, are present, uh, presently even more, uh, let's say, visible. Um, one is that within, let's say, that area of specialty, um, uh, there is, um, uh, it's very much a lean and mean market, um, uh, which means the, uh, the, 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 the airlines, um, the aircraft by themselves, by definition, require a very uh, cost-efficient structure um, uh, for the support. But also, um, it, um, uh, within that uh, program, there is, uh, let's say, within that specialty, there is uh, a special segment of, uh, um, of uh, freighter conversions, uh, which I will be talking to you about. Um, uh, however, in the context uh, first uh, of um, of how we um, um, attract, uh, let's say, the, uh, the aircraft um, uh, by offering, let's say, a complete complete uh, vision on uh, on how to manage the aircraft in transition, taking into consideration, um, let's say, maintenance aspects of uh, prerequisites to the conversion. Uh, and also thinking of um, let's think beyond the implementation of the of the mod itself, how to um, let's say uh, um, uh, ensure uh, low um, within let's say um, trying to be different as an MRO. Um, um, we have gone further into not uh, only providing a comprehensive support. On uh, let's say all aspects of uh, of maintenance, conversion, um, and engineering, uh, but also the the concept of uh, uh, let's say support, commercial support for remarketing of the aircraft um, um, post conversion. Um, as uh, for the um, let's say conversion uh, conversion options uh, for uh, that let's say um, exist that i find practical um, uh, on the market and, uh, within the segment of uh, atrs um, there are really two uh, two programs uh, currently uh, available besides the oem um, and that is uh, the program offered by um, uh, by aka conseil um, uh, this this is um, um, they they offer basically a light uh, light so-called light cargo conversion option, offering mostly and this is this is typical for the for the uh, turboprop market due to the size of the aircraft. Um, uh, most of the conversion programs uh, are uh, destined to for uh, for bulk loading uh, parcel flighters rather than containerized flighters. Although, as you can see uh, on this picture, um, on this presentation, there is, uh, uh, there is one program for ATRs, um, originally designed by Alenia, part of OEM, uh, then uh, took over by IPR um, uh, from Switzerland, um, and commercialized as a third-party STC. Um, uh, for the large freight cargo and structural uh, modification, structural tube and the large cargo door modification. Um, in principle, um, uh, since I've also shared uh, with Peter, we've got a, a cargo background um, from the airline perspective. I must say that uh, the, um, the let's say uh, there is a limited applicability of the of the large freight door um, uh, options for this size of aircraft. And, uh, the, the cost of it is uh, immense. The the time and also. Uh, time uh, needed and also cost required uh, for uh, complexity of transforming the aircraft, the ATR, into a large fry door option is um, is extensive. Um, um, to give you a comparison, um, the uh, the average um, um, light conversion, um, as I call it, uh, by ACA um, takes approximately um, uh, two to three months. Uh, in full, uh, and uh, uh, is a, uh, with the cost of around uh, 
550,000 uh, euros um, as a complete cost um, of, of conversion. The, um, um, the IPR version of it um, with the large fry door, so the, uh, the, the complete costs uh, uh, is uh, around 2.2 million euro. And it takes um, uh, approximately, I mean, they, they, they think it takes uh, six months in practice, in practical terms, uh, uh, it, it takes almost a year uh, to convert this aircraft. Um, and this is also due to the fact that uh, this specific type of conversion has not really been designed to operate, uh, to be implemented by third party, uh, uh, third party MROs. It is an important aspect when looking at, uh, at conversions themselves that uh, some of them uh, are organized, let's say, more professionally than others in terms of uh, sequencing work and, uh, and the designing uh, the uh, conversion uh, to be understood by, by uh, let's say, in, in third-party MRO terms, um, allowing efficiency that all turns out that basically translates into, uh, into time and cost. Um, uh, of such a conversion. So IPR in general, although offering, uh, uh, let's say, best, uh, uh, the most versatile uh, conversion uh, to date for the ATRs is also the most complex and, uh, and the most expensive uh, type of uh, conversion. Ultimately, um, um, let's say, uh, putting in question the, uh, the viability of the whole program. So um, obviously, the, it's also a limited, uh, limited applicability on the market. Uh, the, uh, the, for such a small aircraft, um, I'm sure you all know that uh, the um, containerized uh, options um, mean a loss of, uh, loss of volume. Uh, and for small aircraft, uh, it means uh, a substantial loss of volume. Uh, to give you a, a comparison, um, um, a large fry door, structural tube, version, so without a large door, uh, sorry, large, large door uh, versus a structural tube, and uh, uh, so containerized freight versus uh, bulk loaded freight is a loss, uh, there is a difference between approximately 80 cubic meters and 50 cubic meters, so 50 within the containers and uh, 80 uh, in bulk loading, that's a massive difference, uh, obviously. Mm, um, hence, uh, the, uh, let's say, the usability of that version is, is uh, limited. Although there is also, an, um, and, uh, let's say, an option that has been selected by FedEx uh, for the replacement of their fleet. Uh, this is an OEM conversion. It's based on the same STC, in fact, IPR STC, with uh, certain, uh, certain uh, modifications to it, which will be uh, done by ATR online. Uh, on the line, on the production line, um, the um, the uh, it is yet to be seen whether uh, whether that program finds, uh, let's say, uh, 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 an attractive ground in the let's say beyond beyond the the operators such as FedEx. Um, um, they have taken opportunity, and uh, Peter mentioned that I think. Uh, um, as well uh, previously that uh, the attractiveness of the P2F projects programs very much depend on the cost of, uh, of feedstock and availability of it. And uh, as far as uh, this specific program um, as well, um, the, the FedEx has taken opportunity in the, uh, in the, the in situation of the uh, of ATR who has basically not been selling aircraft for quite some time. And because of that, they also um, they they took advantage of of, uh, of reducing the uh, the cost of um, of uh, of a feedstock of a before conversion uh, to an unprecedented level yeah? that made the whole program worthwhile. So um, there is also one more uh, conversion uh, I wanted to uh, to uh, to bring to your attention uh, that is emerging uh, a bit from the shadows right now. And that is a conversion STC by Cascade for uh, Dash 8 Q400s. Um, it happened that uh, this, this conversion in particular uh, has been, it's, a, it's also classified as a so-called light conversion. So it's, it's a netted conversion with the, the netted cargo restraint system 
um, and the bulk loaded um, aircraft without uh, modification of the door. Um, the cost of it uh, oscillates um, uh, approximately in the area of the ACA conversion, uh, ACA, ACA solution for ATRs. Um, uh, however, uh, today this, this conversion was developed a long time ago, but uh, 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 in fact, uh, first aircraft were converted post uh, SAS, uh, um, uh, let's say, incidents with folding gears. Uh, when the when the whole fleet was uh, phased out from uh, from the um, from SAS and uh, certain aircraft became available uh, prematurely um, uh, on the uh, uh, let's say as candidates for conversion, uh, I had the pleasure to uh, or pleasure I had an opportunity to uh, to test that aircraft, the first converted aircraft uh, in Q400 aircraft. Uh, STC by Cascade, by the way, uh, Cascade Aerospace in Canada. Uh, they, um, the aircraft itself um, uh, has proven to, uh, to meet the, the minimum requirements. Uh, obviously, it's, uh, it, it has got uh, certain, certain advantages towards, uh, towards ATR um, uh, as far as performance characteristics. Uh, but as a freighter, um, at that time, it was simply too expensive. Yeah? And mostly too expensive for what it was, uh, also the uh, uh, very much to, uh, in connection to the feedstock. Now, post-COVID situation has created uh, has created a number of opportunities on that market as well. And uh, uh, as we see today, the uh, on the European market alone, uh, I see at least uh, 50 uh, 50 aircraft that have been uh, re are, are in the process of repossession. Uh, and they will be available to uh, potential new buyers. And uh, as you can imagine, there are not too many buyers of aircraft. So uh, let's say a freighter option becomes an attractive alternative solution uh, also for this aircraft. And uh, there's uh, since the, the, uh, the introduction to the program uh, of the program, uh, six, uh, six aircraft, six Q400s and six, uh, 60 ATRs have been converted um, to date. Um, so uh, let's say that uh, um, conversion by Cascade is yet to be, uh, let's say, seen whether uh, it, uh, it is yet to prove its uh, viability on the market. Um, originally, uh, uh, just to give you a, a comparison, uh, an ATR light conversion um, offers uh, uh, the 80 cubic meters, as I mentioned, and uh, approximately seven and a half ton uh, payload uh, by uh, by own declarations of Cascade, uh, now the Havilland, previously Boeing, uh, Bombardier, um, the Q400 offers only one ton more and approximately uh, three cubic meter more uh, uh, of, of payload, which doesn't seem to be right, by the way, because the aircraft is substantially larger. Uh, but so there is a number of, uh, let's say, mm, uh, of, uh, of um, improvements to be made. I believe that the, the, the Havilland together with Cascade is, is right now working on, on this topic. So they've been very cautious about it. Nevertheless, uh, uh, the program is there uh, and it seems to be an attractive solution uh, for those that, that uh, wish to do something with, uh, with Q400s, otherwise uh, basically other than, than parking them and waiting for, hoping for the best. Yeah? For the future, and maybe a little bit uh, yet to uh, to summarize uh, something that you might uh, find interesting, should you uh, be considering P2S in general from the MRO perspective and overall uh, uh, overall cost of of, uh, of such an adventure, uh, that the the aircraft in transition in general from uh, from um, cargo implementation from the cargo mod implementation side. Require, um, let's say, a focus on uh, on good workmanship, good metal sheet workers, uh, good engineering support, um, uh, consideration of items such as um, uh, additional corrosion protection programs um, that, for especially for P2Fs, are uh, quite relevant because they may uh, significantly extend the life or, or save the cost of the airframe later on. Um, uh, the and the overall management, material management uh, of, of the program, which also requires uh, from the MRO, let's say, a certain experience, 
because the the idea is to to uh, let's say to um, to to uh, investigate in time uh, for the let's say completeness of the kit, quality of that kit before it is installed. So all of this uh, makes a difference uh, and impacts the overall cost of the program. Um, and maybe the last element of it, also quite unknown, usually not very much in contracts, in conversion contracts, which is so-called deviations, engineering deviations. Uh, so deviations from the original uh, modification um, documentation. Um, the, the uh, let's say, efficient MROs also think of how to reduce the deviations uh, uh, by working, let's say, uh, in close cooperation between the engineering project management teams and the metal sheet workers that are actually hands-on implementing the, the instructions. So, um, summarizing uh, the uh, the turboprop market um, is uh, is very much it has got its own uh, dynamics, uh, and I must say that right now uh, the freighters uh, are very much uh, also in demand. Although comparing to the uh, the, uh, the mid-size uh, aircraft uh, market, it's uh, obviously uh, a, a different scale. Um, uh, and Q400s will probably become an attractive solution um, uh, to the add-on to, to the existing uh, practical solutions, which is the light cargo conversions for the aircraft, the bulk loading and the netting. Uh, that is basically a solution that seems to be uh, let's say definite for for this size of an aircraft. So uh, I'd like to to stop here. Um, uh, this is supposed to be a concise. So apologies in advance if it's been too concise. But if there are any questions, uh, I'm also happy to uh, to answer them later with my contact details. As well. Patrick, thank you very much for that. Um, it was very interesting to see that aspect of the market uh, too, and that there are options out there in Europe. So. Just quickly going through a couple of the questions that came in on the chat. One from Castle Lake there. Um, uh, uh, maybe for Peter, are there clear operator preferences for conversions completed by particular conversion shops? Yeah, be any feedback on that or... Um, can, can you just repeat it again? Um, uh, are, there, are, are there clear operator preferences for conversions? In other words, do operators prefer one uh, shop over the other? Maybe they, they favor the OEM yeah, is independence or? I think there is a certain preference, obviously, and that preference has to do with once you make your selection on your fleet, you would like to stick with that commonality in terms of, of, of aircraft. Let's say, um, not to go ahead now, but let's just compare the classic uh, PEMCO AEI conversion. Uh, we've seen operators basically favoring one conversion a design to, to another and once they've made that choice they basically try to stick within that frame um, and eventually also geographically if, if you um, if you uh, spread your conversion sites it's, it's more logistic problem for you to really uh, to really be engaged with all parties I think yes. that that decision is normally made and once an operator sticks to that decision I would I would reckon that he wants to to uh, hang on with it unless there is like a pressure on the market that you need to deliver and you're ready to to mix those conversions yeah there's a, there's a question here from zephyrus uh, dave gleason is it do you reckon there's going to be a long lead time in securing slots at any of these facilities or um how is that going to affect yeah I, I think i think right now we, we see that the slots um um, securization, basically, to secure yourself with slots, it's 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 getting tight. You know, I think there's um, there's a a large number of it is booked. Alan can speak for for maybe for Boeing, um, but my latest contacts with uh, EFW Precision and um, uh, those for the for the three twenty ones, for example, it's it's pretty much uh, access to slots will be pretty pretty far ahead from now, I guess. New slot 2022. So that's yeah. what we, yes, the answer is in short is yes. I think there yeah. will be a long uh, I suppose there is a risk out there that may be a surplus of cargo aircraft after COVID with, with the demand. Um, so that remains to be seen. Uh, uh, we had a uh, question there from um, uh, uh, Airbridge Cargo, which is specific to 320, 321 uh, passenger freighter conversions. 
Um, maybe I'd, I'd ask maybe uh, surrogate to contact Peter directly on those. They're, they're related to expected line load and area load and main decks. Really specific technical issues. Maybe yes. we can we can address them outside of the of the call just for for conciseness. Sorry, sorry for that, but we we'll get back to you there. Um, and last question then um, uh, would be: Is there any seven three seven eight hundreds excluded from the BCF program, Alan? Uh, question came in there. There is, there is. Um, I think some of the earlier variants of the seven three seven are not suitable. Um, I can't recall the exact line number, but um, oh, who asked the question? Um, own. So own. Yeah, I, I'll recheck you directly. There are certain earlier variants that are not suitable, and the up until recently, it was not possible to do a conversion on seven three seven that had the split scimitar wings. But we we have a solution to that now, so that's not a blocker anymore. But I'll I'll recheck you directly with the exact line numbers that are excluded. Good stuff. All right. Um, going to uh, sorry, there's one question from from Miles. I've got enough to get Miles. Uh, um, do does PTF conversion involve upgrading the MTOW and trust? These are normally expensive OEM mods. If upgrades are involved, are these costs included in the conversion costs? Uh, maybe for Alan again. Yeah, I, certainly the, with the Boeing conversion, no. Any, any um, performance upgrades to the aircraft are not covered in the, in the pricing for the modification. They would be additional. And I think you know Miles. You can reach out to Miles on that. Just that, I know we're over yeah. the hour mark. Peter, you have a, you have a comment? Or? Yes, I would like to confirm this is also applicable for the 321s, um, that, that weight upgrades and weight variant changes are, are basically not included in the conversion cost. Stuff. I just realised we're just over the hour, but just to keep you for two more minutes, Alex, uh, my colleague uh, down in Cork is going to give you one or two slides on APTN membership updates, just to show you where we're at. And then um, once that's done, we can let you all go. So Alex, are you ready to go? Yeah, perfect. Um, let me just share my screen here. So Alex is uh, lined up to do the, uh, the UCD Masters in Aviation Finance in September. So he's helped me out over next couple of months while he's uh, getting up to speed on that. So go ahead, Alex. Uh, thanks again, Peter, Alan and Magic for those presentations. They were, they were fantastic. Uh, I'm just going to give you a quick overview on where we're at at the APTN network at the moment. Um, just give you an update on the new LinkedIn page we have, the WhatsApp regional groups, the demographic of the membership and our growth plans and targets. So if you haven't had a look at it already, I would recommend that you go over to our um, corporate page on LinkedIn, the APTN network. Um, it just gives day-to-day -day updates. Um, it's going to be posting regularly in regards to the um, these Zoom calls that are going to be up on YouTube, the podcasts, uh, some of Alan's articles, and any other news about um, updates on membership. So we've recently introduced um, the WhatsApp regional groups, which gives more of a quick form of communication between members uh, from a more regional basis. So as you can see, we've 10 different uh, groups according to your region. Um, they're being added every day. Uh, feel free to email me. I know I sent out an email uh, last week about them. I'll probably send out another next week um, in regards to uh, invites to join the WhatsApp uh, regional groups. These are more um, allow for conversation between the members and just help uh, another way to help build up the network. Uh, for any of you who were here last week, you would have seen this um, slide in regards to the demographic. Um, we're really trying to hone in on having as much of a diverse network as possible just to make the connections and make it worthwhile joining the network. So we've such a wide reach for anyone who's needs work or plans across any expertise as you can see in the bottom right so like i explained last week our target is to have aptn members in every single country now finally um, like i mentioned last week uh, we have a large number and um, just over 1100 in the aptn hub um, and we currently have 249 platform members on the website which has grown significantly in the last two weeks. Um, and our goal is to get to 1,000 APTN members by the end of 2020. 
as I've mentioned before, um, a lot of people that have signed up to Basic, um, which uh, does not offer as half as much of the opportunities on the platform as ATP does. Um, we currently are offering ATP for free for the rest of 2020 due to uh, COVID-19. And we know there's lots of struggles and having a great communication and having great connections in the aircraft technical network we know is so important. So we're offering people free ATP membership for the rest of 2020. So we'd recommend that you sign in as an ATP member rather than as a basic member. And if you have any questions, queries uh, in regards to any of these calls, um, the membership itself, or if you want to be added to WhatsApp groups or anything, my contact details are up here. So I will stop sharing that screen there. And I'll Good stuff. The Thanks, Alex, for that. Uh, so, guys, that's it for today. Uh, just to let you know, um, next week I'm planning to do a Zoom call on, and actually Magic mentioned it briefly there, uh, part 21 engineering and uh, design organization approval. We'll have a couple of uh, manufacturers, hopefully, uh, and uh, part 21 experts on board to give you a talk about that. Uh, again, hopefully try and keep it uh, as short as possible and get you in and out of the Zoom call in time for lunch. And on that note, I'll uh, sign off. And thanks again for joining. I hope